Blog Talk Radio. Carol the Coach. Sex, love, and relationships. We talk about it here. Carol the Coach. Compassion with contemporary relevance. I am a psychotherapist. I can be your personal life coach and I can help you with your issues. There are no problems too small or too big. You can talk about anything. Speaker, columnist, radio TV host, and commentator. Carol the Coach brings messages of wellness and empowerment within reach of everyday people every day. Almost five years ago, I lost my soulmate in an accident. He was killed in a plane crash. Life just for me has seemed to stop. There are groups all over the city. I mean, I teach one. It is a specific way to start thinking so that you shift how you see the world, which then shifts your energy, and then you feel better and you actually see things differently. Carol the Coach, always available to at carolthecoach.com. Now I've got Russell on the line. I'm 47 years old. I'm a truck driver. I'm married. I have a wife in San Francisco. Okay. I haven't been home in six months. My thing is, I, I don't know if I have a sex addiction or what the problem is. Why do I want what I can't have? And as soon as I can have it, I don't want it anymore. You're right on target when you say, I don't know if I have a sexual addiction. Well, guess what? Yes, you do. And you know what? That's my specialty, Russell. So you're at the right place. Continue. I meet women online and, and I'm in a different part of the country. I, I travel all 48 states, so I love sex. I hear self-esteem issues. You never felt good enough and you didn't feel like you were getting what you should have then. And you're really reenacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself? I got an interesting email this week. He says, thank you for taking my email in question. My girlfriend and I listen to you on the radio and she respects your opinion as I do. So here's the question. I've been separated for nine months. I'm working on a divorce. Is it okay to date? I believe it is. But she's not comfortable with being around people who know my divorce is not final. Can you help? He kind of answered it when he said, if she's not comfortable, it's not a good gig. And Pat, you... And that is absolutely right. You know, if, if the chapter isn't closed, if somebody is engaging in activity that they wouldn't want to tell their mother, brother, wife, sister about... That typically means that all the all the issues in the world can't possibly work towards a resolution when you haven't closed a chapter. And so it's important. If you are separated and you are wanting to jump into a relationship, you gotta know that isn't the way to do it. You got to close that chapter before you start another one. And I know that's hard. We are in a society of immediate gratification. But I promise you, it will complicate things exponentially if you don't shut something down in its entirety before you open something else up. Now, here's the deal I know that most people don't want to close things up. They want to keep one foot in the past and what they were doing and who they were with and another another foot in the future. What they could do, what's out there, what's fantasy. Now, I'm sure as I'm talking about this, you are saying to yourself, okay, the way she's describing it, I shouldn't be doing it. And you're exactly right. You should not be doing it. And that's the good news is that Boundaries are really important, and I promise you, if you pay attention to them, they will always steer you right. You have some confusion about your boundaries. I guarantee you, you shouldn't be doing it. It's that simple. Hi, I'm Carol Jerkinson-Sheets, a.k.a. Carol the Coach, and I tell it like it is, and I am a straight shooter, and I want you to know what is right and what works invariably in all cases. You know, when Russell said at the beginning of the show that he travels 47 states and he loves sex and he is basically grooming and flirting and objectifying women, that's a 
bad news. That absolutely keeps that reward center open. And Russell can't get what he wants, really, until he takes a look at himself and says, yeah, what, what is it that I need? Now, if somebody is out for a hookup and they're out for just straight recreational sex, that's their issue. But if they're in relationship with somebody and that relationship doesn't know what they're doing, that is betrayal. And it's not gray, it's black and white. And I know that addicts say very, um, boy, diligently, they go, well, what she doesn't know doesn't hurt her. And, well, this keeps my marriage fresh. And, well, I'm not getting sex. I deserve that. Well, the truth of the matter is, Karn says, that you need to do when you're dealing with sex addiction is you need to break through the denial. That's the first recovery task. And so it is absolutely denial that Russell would say to himself, you know, I love women. What's wrong with that? Well, Russell's married. That's what's wrong with that. And maybe some of you have said, gee, what she doesn't know won't hurt her. But the truth of the matter is, more often than not, women find out, and then you have to deal with the collateral damage. And that can be ugly. Okay. Well, you know what? I hope you get get to listen to my last show. Here's why. I interviewed Darren Ford, and he is both the publisher of my books from Stano Press, and he's not only a CSAT, but he's a CSAT supervisor, and he is really a believer in mindfulness to help calm the addictive brain. And if you are a counselor, a psychiatrist, a psychologist listening to the show, he has a wonderful mindfulness training that he's going to be doing February 5th through the 7th. And I'm taking it, and I want you to join me. I don't want you to think I got it for free. I did not get it for free. I paid. I, I might have even paid more than you're going to pay. But it's all good because it's it's a very affordable training. So please listen to my show that um, I actually aired last night. And again, it talks about how to quiet the addictive brain. And I know that you either want to know that or you want to help your clients know that. And so again, that's Darren Ford at Sano Press and you can go to his site if you Google T-M-A-T-T, um, you will find that you will see all of his trainings up front. And hey, I would love for you to join me in the training. I'm all about learning and I'm all about quieting the mind. And I told Darren last night, there is an addiction that I could work on. It is probably workaholism. It is so hard when you love something so much that you can't put down the pen. You can't stop writing. You can't stop podcasting. And you can't stop seeing clients that you know need your information. But the truth of the matter is we are all replaceable. And there are other people out there just as skilled as we are. And it's important to have balance because remember, I have said this probably three times a year. You've got to rest your brain. And when you rest your brain, you're able to cellularly repair um, all the neural pathways that are, that are moving and shaking in that brain. And you'll find that you do better work because you've rested your brain. And you'll find a better sense of serenity, which is all about what Darren Ford said. Now, let me just tell you, 
um, if you do want that training, you're supposed to enter in the promo code mindful one, and that is the number one. So I hope you'll think about it. It's really going to be a great training. It's not that I'm promoting, but I am promoting. I just released a book called Unleashing Your Power, Moving Beyond Partner Betrayal. So this is a book for partners. And this is a book to get them through the trauma of sex addiction. And this is a book, a workbook that helps partners to not be defined by what has happened to them. So if you're a partner and you're listening to the show, good for you. I want you to get the book. Go to Amazon or go to Sano Press, that's S-A-N-O Press, and get it for 20% off. If you are an addict, buy this doggone book for your partner. You want your partner to get healthier. You want her to be able to let go of the pain. And this book moves through station and grief, mourning, anger, and loss, and then into post-traumatic growth. We've got so many exciting things coming up. I am not allowed to share all of them, but I am going to be offering something to clinicians and coaches to help them help their couples get through partner betrayal. And that's coming out next month, so I'll keep you posted. Now, let's talk about tonight. Tonight, I'm going to be interviewing a repeat guest, David Essel, who helps addicts look at how trauma reenactment from childhood shows up as sexual addiction in the present. He maintains that until you deal with those issues, you're not necessarily going to be able the wrongs of your own life. And so I'm really excited to have him on. He's very informative. He's very entertaining. And, you know, he's got a lot of important followers. I mean, there are people all over the country that just love David. He's written several books. And um, he's been on, well, he's been in psychology today. He has been on marriage.com. He is fully endorsed. And so truly, what I know to be true is he's entertaining to listen to and he has a lot of good factual information because he does say you've got to delve into your childhood to figure out where you got stuck and then how to catapult out of that and move towards a healthier lifestyle and existence. And uh, I always welcome him when he comes in and to the show. And let me tell you something. I'm in Florida right now. I'm actually leaving tomorrow, and he lives in Florida. So, you know, we got something in common. And what I know is all good things have to come to an end, and Florida is a lot warmer than Indianapolis. So I'm super happy to be moving through this and heading home and seeing my husband and my friends. I just moved into a new condo and it's been so much fun, but it it's like redoing your life, making new friends, living life all over again and figuring out how to connect. And that is really um the secret of life, isn't it? Connection. Now, I'm a great connector. So COVID has gotten in my way, and I'm not particularly happy about that. And yet, it is what it is, right? Actually, I got to tell you, David is going to be talking about sexual addiction through the pandemic with Carol the Coach, and that is what I believe has stopped me from getting to meet many more of the people in this community. I'm not particularly scared of the pandemic. I practice social distancing, but other than that, I'm good to go. And I tell people, you know, if something happened 
and I got sick, I would always be able to say that I lived a rich and full life, and I hope you can say that too. Whether you're isolating at home, whether you're getting out marginally, or whether you're living life with social distancing and uh, in all sorts of protective ways. This pandemic been a force to reckon with, but I promise you that if you look at what you need in your life, you will figure out a way to get that. And so David's going to be talking about how do you look at your own sexual addiction, look at your own trauma wounding, and figure out perhaps how you have created some of this trauma and drama to deal with the things that happened to you in your past. And he's got some stories that he wants to share, people that he's worked with that have had this issue and have made it to the other side. So I look forward to hearing how that happened and what they did to get healthy and how he guided them through that. So I want to say, David Essel, welcome to Sex Help with Carol the Coach. Oh, Carol, great to be back with you. Well, thank you. Is that a COVID cough? No, I didn't. No, I didn't hear a cough. Okay, it must have just been the first consonant of what you were going to say, because I heard a little cough, and you know how people are so paranoid right now about the pandemic (laughs) and about coughing and sneezing. Oh. Um, So I was joking with you. But, you know, I know that you're going to talk to us tonight about how do you move through the pandemic if you're dealing with sex addiction, and how do you get healthy um, in spite of it all? So tell us a little bit about how you've been doing, what you've been doing, and and uh, what tips and tools you have for us tonight. Carol, and you know, I've been in this business as a counselor for 40 years, and I have never seen the amount of sex addiction that we're seeing in the past eight months. It is absolutely mind-blowing. Now, there's a part of it that we say makes total sense. You know, you're cooped up in your house, you're bored, maybe your hours have been cut back, maybe you don't have a supervisor checking you every 10, 15 minutes or an hour, and then you're looking for a release, a way to deal with stress. You know, all addictions have an upside, and that upside is they get us out of our reality for a short period of time. Now, of course, Unfortunately, the downside of all addictions is the reality comes racing back at 10 times the strength, and it gets deeper and worse than we could ever imagine. But, you know, that when, when you're edging and getting close to an orgasm, you know, that's a God space, just like when you're snorting your fourth lane of, or line of cocaine or having your fifth drink. You know, the addictions bring us to this alternate reality, and, and part of it feels great. But we're escaping the reality that, as I mentioned a minute ago, is going to come on back. I would bet, Carol, in the last, I'm just going to say three weeks, we've probably had four to five people join me as their counselor because of a sex addiction. And a lot of them are porn addictions. Uh, You know, we look at, and, and when I do sexual counseling and intimacy counseling, as a matter of fact, we just wrote a book. Our last book that came out, 50 Plus Flavors of Erotic Love, we share in there 55 plus different ways that you can really enjoy and bend your emotional, spiritual, physical connection with your partner. But on the flip side, for people who have struggled with any type of a sex addiction, this is a very difficult time. Um, recently, a young couple came in and they've been, they've been dating for two years. Uh, He had had an addiction to porn for about the past six years. He had told her when they started dating that it was over. He was done with it. And over the course of the last couple of years, she has caught him three, four, five times. So she said, this is it. Here's your ultimatum. Either find someone to work with, get with a counselor and clean it up, or I'm gone. Now, he's a young guy, and he is coming in with guns blazing in a positive way. When we look at, Carol, many of the sex addictions that begin, and the one story that I'll share from the book that is probably the most profound, is that they often begin between the ages of 4 and 18. If you're missing that nurturing from your mom, if you're missing that 
hero dad figure in your life, if you're abused emotionally in some way, uh, as you age in a family, if you're church going and the church that you go to is all about uh, fire and brimstone and you're going to hell, if you talk to your parents but they never talk about sex, if you don't see your mom and dad embracing, kissing, holding hands, there's, there's all of these things that feed the addiction to sex. But the number one thing I want to mention is why do we get addicted? It's because we're trying to get away from the existence we're in. We're trying to not learn how to deal with our emotions, with our past. You know, of course, sex addiction can also come from being molested as a child. There, there's a thousand different ways it starts. But, you know, shows like your, yours right now, Carol, are so needed. Because the level of addiction, and not just sex addiction, all addictions, but because this is a sex addiction show, we'll keep it to that. Every addiction imaginable is going off chain right now around the world. You know, it really, really is. And, and partially that's because people feel so isolated. Even if they're with others, they're cooped up at home, they don't feel safe, they don't think they can leave their house. And, you know, your book about erotica is something that I do believe the average person needs, but sex addicts oftentimes are triggered by that. And so, you know, it sounds like a really healthy outlet for the average couple or the average person. But I want to warn my listening audience that unless you've got good recovery, those erotic stories could be a trigger. Wouldn't you agree, David? Oh, Absolutely, Carol. Oh, my God. As a matter of fact, you know, going back to the young man, when he came into the office, you know, we have all of our books along the wall. And he said, oh, that's one that I want to read. And he pointed to the 50 plus flavors of erotic love. And I looked at him and I just had a big smile. And I said, down the road, down the road. We're not going to start there. Maybe down the road. You know, it's, it's not unlike when I have clients that are alcoholics and we get them sober and along their path of sobriety, they say, you know what, all my friends from work or all the salespeople I work with or, you know, there's a, a big party. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the bar, but I'm not going to drink. Okay, that's the same thing if a sex addict picks up any type of erotic book, you're walking right into trouble. The alcoholic who's trying to stay sober, going and sitting with their friends at a bar you know, even, even now with, with the restrictions, there's still many states that are open and you can go and drink. So we have these people that are trying to overcome a massive addiction that it may, if it hasn't yet destroyed their relationships or finances, it's definitely killing their confidence and self-esteem. So those people have to be cautious about any erotic book, Fifty Shades of Grey, Mine, any of the Harlequin novels, we say to, to people that are struggling or in the process of healing from sex addiction, you know, wait two years. Go through the process, whoever you're working with, get two years of a foundational recovery program before you even start to think of, I think I'm good to go back online. I think I'm good to read these erotic novels. I would say wait a solid two years. Now, that doesn't mean two years from when you started your counseling, that means two years of pure recovery, meaning that you didn't tap into any part of the sex addiction that you've had for two, 10, 20, 30 years. And I think, Carol, with a really strong recovery program, what does that mean? It means that you have tools on a daily basis teaching you how to deal with the reality of life, the tough emotions, the boring emotions, the exciting emotions, Without acting out in your sex addiction, I believe that two-year period of time is crucial before someone would even start to play around with the material of sexuality that's all over the world today. Well, I do, too, and you obviously have um, spent much of your life writing and creating and really trying to help the public in general figure out how to live more fulfilled lives. Now, let me ask you, you said two years, and the truth of the matter is it does take about two years for the neural pathways to develop in the brain. Um, it can go up to five years before someone has definite recovery. 
share a little bit about some of the clients you've worked with? Because I know that you've seen a lot of trauma reenactment, people that experienced things and then actually did the opposite control of their lives, but that led them to sexual addiction. So share a little bit about some of your clients. Yeah, you know, the the interesting thing is just like when a, a person is raised in a home where uh, both parents, let's say, are alcoholics or some type of addict, and they say, I'm never going to become that. And then down the road, a large percentage do. Those who are molested, and, and you know, it's interesting, Carol, I, I'm working right now with a client from Australia, um, and she does. she's in her 50s. She has no idea how she got to the space she is and never had done any really deep therapy work but had been in multiple relationships um, had, had really been heavily dominated by very angry men, men who have huge issues with women. And she went from one relationship to the next until finally she hits 50 and she says enough already. And she contacted me. So we're doing our work. And of course, you know, she, I shouldn't say, of course, I'll make a statement. She has extremely low self-confidence, extremely low self-esteem. Any woman that would continue to go from one horrendous relationship to the next obviously has some very serious issues with confidence and esteem. And I asked her, you know, in all the work that you've done over the years in relationships with, you know, counselors and therapists in Australia, um, where, how far back have you gone? And she said, well, we always go back to when I started dating. So I said, I think something happened before that because her first dating experience at 15 was with, with an abusive boy and then at 18, another one, and then it carried on. So as we did this work, you know, we came to this realization that actually her addiction to men who treated her poorly started around the age of six, carried on until high school. And how it happened was she had a big family and everyone would get together every two or three weeks. I mean, it's very frequent family gathering. And in our work, she remembered that there was an uncle that she never wanted to be near. And she would always tell her mother, you know, when uncle so-and-so comes over, you know, I don't want to go there with him or I don't want to go here with him. And of course, you know, mom and dad are going, Oh, uncle so-and-so loves you. You know, you've, you've got, so what we found out though, is that he had never touched her, but he had leering eyes. She felt uncomfortable the way that he looked at her body from six to 14 she felt uncomfortable with little comments he would make. And whenever he would say, come on over and sit on uncle so-and-so's lap, she would run. And of course, everyone would laugh and think it's some kind of a game, but we found that that's where it started. And, you know, family members didn't believe her when she said, I feel uncomfortable with this uncle. So here's this woman with extremely low self-confidence, self-esteem. She's been sexually molested not physically, but that emotional molestation can be just as damaging with many people. And now in her 50s, she's recovering. And, you know, when we say recovering, she's committed to two years of no dating, no friends with benefits, no sexual activity. She's basically committed to two years to heal, to get over and learn how to deal with, and I'm going to make some emotional comments for our listeners to listen to, because all addicts, will run away from, try to run away from boredom, resentment, anger, rage, low self-confidence, low self-esteem, and they will try to take some things with their addiction to a higher level, celebrations, birthdays, etc. And the sex addict falls right into this. You know, if, if we have never been taught the emotional regulation skills or emotional coping skills on how to deal with boredom, peer pressure, uh, how to deal with passive-aggressive behavior, how to deal with, with any emotion whatsoever. We will try to find some addictive pathway in order to give us a break from those things we don't want to deal with. So instead of learning how to deal with boredom, and, and as an example, the young couple I'm working with, when I said to the young man, you know, when did you start you know, your, your porn addiction? He said, 14. And I said, why? And he was bored. He said, you know, I'm, I'm in my room. I'm on the computer. And he's only in his 20s. He's a young kid. He said, and, and one day I just clicked on this button. I didn't know where it would take me. And it took me to this porn site. And he said, I was hooked. So from 14 to his early 20s, 
he found that whenever he was bored, and he found a, a reason to be bored every day, he would go online and masturbate. When we came to this realization that it started at 14 and it was because he was bored, the very first thing we did was started teaching him coping mechanisms on his alternative skills instead of porn. So what do we do when we're bored? So we came up with a list, Carol, of 15 different things. And it's the same thing we do with sex addicts when when they find out that their emotional response is stress or anxiety. So when they get stressed or they get anxious, they masturbate or they have a, a, a hookup, or however they, they get off, you know, they a phone sex, which is the story I tell in my book, one of the, 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 the most incredible turnarounds I've ever seen in sex addiction happened with a woman in our book. And, and she was using it because of anger, shame, guilt that she had carried over from childhood. So you know, and, and before I go into that story, I'll just say, you know, all of us, I, I struggled with three major addictions in my life, and I'm blessed by all of them by going through them. I was for 30 years addicted to alcohol, cocaine, and codependency in love relationships. Those three addictions were huge, and it took me a number of years to be clean of all three of them. When I look back, the alcohol and the cocaine were used. So I didn't have to deal with tough stuff in life, boredom, anxiety, stress, et cetera. But the codependency addiction and intimate relationships, that was all about me trying to be loved. So as I would save one woman after another from financial disaster, I'd save someone else who didn't know how to raise children because I'm great at raising children. I'd save someone else because her ex-husband was abusive still, you know, it was a way for me, and it showed at that time, even as a therapist, I had very low self-confidence, Carol, because in my low self-confidence, I was looking for women that needed to be saved, and that's the codependency in me. Well, that was 1996, 97. I went through myself a one-year training. I chose to be celibate for two years. Because I really wanted to get my head wrapped around this. Why am I having to save people? And it was my own low self-confidence. I felt good if I had someone that needed me. Now, women do this too. You know, women will find guys that they're going to save. And that can at some point turn into a sex addiction. It didn't for me. But it definitely destroyed a lot of my confidence and self-esteem. And, of course, it created hell in relationships because the women I quote unquote dated to save would be ecstatic for the first several months of, you know, their hero has come in on his white steed, but then I would want things returned and, and, and return. I would want them to do things for me and because I had done so much for them and then they would resent me that I wanted something from them. And then I would resent them <laughs> for not being equal and helping me. And so the world of addiction is massive, even for people like, us counselors, we can get sucked into the vortex as well. Mm-hmm. Well, so many, so many of us do get sucked into the vortex, or we were already in the vortex, and we thought if sure. we helped others, it would pull us out. And it isn't until we do the hard work that we figure out that um, it's all part of the plan. You know, wanting to help others is really about wanting to help ourselves. And that's the beautiful thing about therapy and, and counseling, coaching, you name it. And, you know, you are considered such a positive person. I know that, you know, a lot of people have endorsed you around the world. Now, Part of that is because you're so honest about your own struggles and how you worked out of them. So you must feel pretty good about the fact that you have made it to the other side. Well, I, you know, just before your call, I was working with one of my clients who's been an alcoholic for a very long time. And, you know, I, 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 and I sit with him every week and, you know, we go through our training program and, you know, what I was able to say to him today is I said, I didn't know this until I went through what you're going through. But I said, when you get to the other side, it is pure grace. It is amazing. 
if you're a sex addict and you heal, to go through a day, a week, a month, a year without acting out because you've learned how to transform the addiction into something positive. Carol, I, I can't tell you how powerful it feels to know that I can do it only because I worked hard. I have no special gift of recovery. I have no gene, a recovery gene. I have, I'm an average human being that found through a lot of trial and error that I had some serious issues internally. And, and you know, they say that coaches, therapists, and counselors all have serious issues inside, which is why we go into this field. And I wouldn't doubt that to be true. Uh, but the, the, what, what comes out of it, though, is knowing when you when you feel that you can go to a party as a as someone who used to struggle with alcohol and you don't even look at what's there, you're more into the people than into the alcohol or the drugs. There is power, Carol. There is there's so much that you boost your own self-confidence when you can reflect back and go, my God, for 30 years, if I was here, I'd be hammered by now. Or I'd wake up tomorrow with a hangover. You know, if you're a sex addict and that, that sex addiction is on your mind like it is with all addictions, 24-7, running underneath the radar, and then all of a sudden you go through a recovery program and you're not triggered by anything. You're not, like, you have won the lottery. When, when, you're, when the monkey brains are quiet, when all the chattering in your brain about wanting to go online or find a hookup or masturbate with someone on phone or whatever it is that's your sexual addiction, when you overcome and you aren't triggered, it is powerful. I mean, it's, it's something that, you know, and I love your show because you give people so much hope, and that's what I want people to know today. The end result of all of your hard work is more than worth it. It really is. Well, I absolutely agree, and it's honesty, authenticity, and transparency that is the key to good recovery. And, you know, we were talking about how long does it take to recover and what are the triggers that keep you from finding recovery. And, you know, you and I both know that a person has to want to get help, especially with this addiction. Because uh-huh. this addiction, addiction to beat, sex is everywhere. You know, it's on the buses, it's on TV, it's in magazines, it's in newspapers, it's on computers. It is everywhere. So, you know, you talked earlier about boredom. And I have to say, if I pull the thousands of men that I've worked with, boredom is a number one contributor to causing uh-huh. Acting out behaviors. People want stimulation. What do you see, yeah. David? Do you see the same thing? Oh, absolutely. You know, I see the top two is boredom and anxiety. And then the third is some type of anger, depression, resentment. Uh, but boredom and anxiety to me are the two biggest triggers for any type of, a, of an addiction. You know, Carol, you had mentioned, you know, how powerful sex addiction is. In my new book, I actually quote, and this is kind of interesting, I quote Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich, where he talks about that the emotion behind sex is the most powerful emotion in the world. And it is true. It is such a driving force simply to procreate, to keep the population going. There's got to be something inside us that's so powerful in order for us to be able to have children. And at the same time, when it's not used for procreation and it's not used in a healthy way with a partner, that's where it can be so freaking damaging. You know, uh, there's a story I just want to share from the book that is, that is just a beautiful, beautiful story. And I, I think I worked with this woman Oh, gosh, it might be 10 years ago now, I forget, but she was a very successful executive vice president of a massive hospital chain. Uh, She had been there for quite a long time, worked her way up as an RN all the way through these channels. I think she had been there 20 or 25 years. 
And all of a sudden, she got pulled into the office of her boss, who was the president. And he, he had on his desk from Human Resources a list of in the last 30 days that she had been late for work, like 29 of the 30 days. And in all the years he knew her, this had never been the case. So he said to her, he said, he pointed these, the pages to her and said, if you don't get help and turn this around, you won't be here. And that's how she found me. So she Googled, you know, sex addiction counselors came up with my name and we started working together. So I was asking her about, you know, what she was doing. I mean, how was she handling this sex addiction? And, and because she had been honest with me, she said, David, I'm late because of my sex addiction. And I asked her about it. And so she said, you know, I have several male friends that we masturbate on the phone together. I'll go online to the sites. I'll do whatever it takes. And then we, I said, well, when did this start? And it started the way many sex addicts begin in this very, I want to say subtle way. When she was about 12 and started growing breasts, her father made fun of her. And she grew up in a very strict religious household. Sex was never talked about. Um, she couldn't date. They, they said during high school she would never date. She had to wear clothes that covered her body, and her father's comments continued over the years as she was a teenager, making her unbelievably uncomfortable. She was shy, withdrawn, isolated. And then when she got to college, this is where she was getting her revenge. And she decided that all the years of her father making fun of her and no one ever letting her date, that she was going to do whatever she wanted. And for four years, she did. Quote, unquote, she was the slut of campus, as she told me the first time we worked together. And that then turned into all of these multiple men on the phone and on the sites and everything else. So, you know, when we were trying to help her to heal, the most eye-opening thing to her was that it began with her father's comments. And then the second most eye-opening thing was how shaded she was how guarded she was how overly protected she was by her family to the point of never being able to date never being able to talk to boys you know in school I mean there were just so many rigid rules took us a year to break this addiction and at the second year she came back to me wanting to learn she said David I feel very secure I have not been online. I have, I've stopped all the phone sex. I am very clean, and I want to get into the world of dating. And so then we turned it all around and taught her how to date to find someone who she could be a match with. And interestingly enough, because she lived in a, a small town and would go back to visit, all the guys in the town that wanted to date her were coming from the same angle of her father incredibly religious men, some of them with not good intentions. Some of them, she said that when she was with them, she was bored out of her mind. So we taught her this thing. I have a video on YouTube, Carol, called Machete Dating. And when you're secure in who you are and what you're looking for, you start with our process of machete dating, you start writing down things that would never work for you the type of men or the type of woman personality characteristics, et cetera, that would never work. And she did all of this incredibly deep work. She was single for a number of years and it paid off. Not only did she start showing up to work on time and she continues to get accolades in her hospital system, but she found an amazing man who was totally understanding of her past. He had a very similar rough upbringing no emotional comfort, no emotional support. So they had some things in common. But the blessing in this is that he had done the work as well. Now, if she had met him and he hadn't done any recovery work, it could have turned into a nightmare. But by, they, they had both, by the time they met each other, they had both done the work, cleaned up their past. She had forgiven her father, forgiven her mother, and moved into this awesome relationship. And that is not an anomaly. That happens all the time when we look in the mirror, understand that the addiction we have is taking us down, and we ask for help. Well, you've got that right. And I have to say that it, part of it is 
having that insight to know that you have to dig deep to figure out how you have manifested the present because of the past. And you're an expert yes. at helping clients do that. David, I know that you're, um, you can be reached at www.davidessel, that's E-S-S-E-L dot com. And um, they can find you on Psychology Today, can't they? I know that you're all, you're cited consistently in, in Psych Today and also Marriage.com, but are there other ways yeah. they can get a hold of you or look at your works? You know, the easiest thing is either to go to Psychology Today and just Google David Essel, uh, psychologytoday.com that you mentioned. Uh, we, we have a profile there. You know, one, one of the things I love about psychologytoday.com is that they really do their work before they just put people up uh, on their site. You know, they, I mean, we had to go through all kinds of questions and prove that we had our degrees. And, and I love that because, you know, we, we want to be associated with sites that are very professional. So either psychologytoday.com and just Google David Essel or, you know, our website, there's an easier uh, a name, web name to remember, talkdavid.com, T-A-L-K-David.com. And if you go there, you'll be able to see all of our books and all the programs that we offer helping people in recovery. And also, Carol, you know, we do general work. Like today, we started with a couple that's been married for 10 years that are at each other's throats as many couples have been for the last nine to 10 months. So we help people to save relationships as well as to shatter sex addiction. Well, I love that. And, you know, clearly we are in extraordinary times and we are seeing situations that we haven't seen before in part because of that isolation and that boredom and, and really that fear and anger at the, at the circumstance so as we begin to end, what would you advise our listening audience to do if they're having trouble managing their emotions or their impulses? Mm. You know, I want to put those two things together. Let's call okay. the emotions and the impulses one thing. So <clears throat> if you're struggling with dealing with emotions and your impulse is emotion-based, then what we need to do is we need to start, and, and this is what I would say, I'll give a little tip for our listeners. If you're struggling with that emotion, that impulse, this is what I want you to do. And you're trying to shatter your sex addiction. The next time you have a craving, I want you to sit before you act. And I want you to write down or in your phone, put down the emotions that you're feeling that you're trying to run from. Because every addiction's purpose is to get us out of our current reality, the emotions that scare us or we don't want to deal with or don't know how to. So step one would be, God, I feel like acting out right now. I feel like going online. I feel like calling up a, a friend with benefit. I, I really have this urge. And so before you act, just write down, I'm feeling anxious about work. I'm bored as hell. I have nothing to do. I'm really resentful that my husband or boyfriend is working extra hours. I'm not even seeing them anymore. So whatever the emotion is that's creating that impulse to act out, start writing them down. Step one. Step two, if you're working with a therapist, a counselor, or a coach, bring those emotions, that list of emotions professional, and say, I need healthy coping skills to deal with boredom instead of my sexual addiction, to deal with anger, resentment, insecurity, um, excitement, you know, like go and ask a professional to help give you guiding tools, healthy coping tools to deal with these emotions because every addiction begins with some emotion we don't know how to deal with. You know, there was a, a woman who was molested by her father for 10 years, starting at 10 to 20. And, you know, she went into heavy addiction. She went into heavy food addiction and that trans transferred over to food and a sex addiction. And when she came in, it was an absolute mess. She was just a, a mess. She had gained about 100 pounds. Self-esteem and confidence was zero. And one of the things that we looked at that she had never shared with another counselor or therapist before was her rage at her father. So she talked about it, Carol, like, 
well, you know, yeah, my father did, did not treat me well for 10 years. And she would talk about it like there was nothing more. You know, it's an unfortunate thing that happened. I had to move through it. And I looked at her one day and said, but we haven't moved through it. You know, you've used food and sex instead of moving through it. So you've gained 100 pounds and you have this guilt from your sexual addiction, which means we haven't moved through it. So I really believe, Carol, if we can get in touch with the emotions that are the triggers that create that impulse to act out, write down what they are, and then go to a professional and say, I need help in learning how to cope with these emotions because the way I'm doing it isn't healthy. Yeah, that's great advice, David. David, I want to thank you so much to our listening audience. I'm talking with David Essel, and you can reach him by going to www.davidessel.com, and that's E-S-S-E-L. You can find him on Psychology Today, and, you know, you have so much to offer. I just so appreciate your time tonight. Oh, I love being with you, Carol. We always have great conversations, and thank you for inviting me back, and also thank you for giving people hope, because I think that's the number one thing your show does. Oh, well, thank you so much, and let me just ask you, are you in Florida tonight? <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, I am too. I'm leaning into retirement, and so I've been in Naples now for a month, and I leave tomorrow, so... It's been a little bit chilly, oh my gosh! It? Oh my goodness! Did, did, did you have fun here? Oh, always. You know, I have a I have a condo. I bought my dog a condo. I'm, you know, I really am leaning into retirement. When you buy your dog a condo, you know you're into retirement. Almost, kind of. I see over fifty clients a week. I can't say I'm totally into retirement, but I'm working that way and. And I, I aren't you in Fort Myers or Yeah, I'm somewhere right in up the area? road from you. Yeah, I'm in I'm in That's Fort Myers right up the road. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Uh, we will have to get together sometime in the future. David Essel, thank you so much for all your good work. Oh, you're very welcome, Carol. Have a beautiful night. I will. And talk to you soon. I am just so happy to say that Boo and I are traveling to Indy for the next two days. I don't know what that silence was all about. We were having some technical difficulties. Um, but I hope, you, I hope you stayed on so that you'll pray for me as I drive to Indy because I am not that good of a driver. Okay, keep me in your prayers. And I will see you next week for more Sex Health with Carol the Coach. And um, as I always say, there will only be one of you at all times. Fearlessly have the courage to be yourself. Make it a good week, and we'll talk to you soon.